Well, thank you, Pastor, and thank you for being in your place this morning, early on this Sunday morning, and uh, a little cool for you folks here, but nice and warm for some of the rest of us, but uh, thank the Lord for what he gives us each and every day, as Pastor said, his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercies, new every day, I'm thankful for that. Well, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 7, if you will, 1 Samuel chapter 7, and look at a couple of verses right at the end of this chapter. And take a, a thought here uh, from God's word to help us today. First Samuel chapter 7. Look at the last three verses starting in verse 15. First Samuel 7 verse 15. And the Bible says, And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel, and Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. The human mind and heart rejects the same old, same old. All of us like change. We like things to be different once in a while. They say variety is the spice of life, right? And so we like things to change. We like seasons that come and go. We enjoy, you know, different weather patterns. We enjoy different types of food. Uh, we enjoy something new to wear. We, we like maybe a little uh, alteration of our schedule at work. Uh, we don't like every day to be exactly the same kind of routine. But there's something very important to God about predictability. Now, I don't know if you noticed it here in this passage of Scripture. But it says that Samuel served the Lord all the days of his life. He judged Israel all the days of his life. So his whole life was spent serving God in the capacity that God had called him to. And did you notice there in verse 16, he went from year to year in circuit and then it tells us where he went he went to Bethel then to Gilgal then to Mizpah then back to Ramah Bethel Gilgal Mizpah Ramah Bethel Gilgal Mizpah Ramah in circuit year by year, by year, all the days of his life. Predictability. If God wanted to know where Samuel was, he knew if he wasn't in Gilgal, then he was in Mizpah. If he wasn't in Mizpah, then he had moved on to Ramah. You see, God knew where Samuel would be because Samuel was patterned. He was predictable. Year after year after year in circuit, going from one place to the next to the next in a pattern. Are you a predictable person? Do people know where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing day after day after day after day? Are you predictable in your Christian life? The Apostle Paul told Titus in chapter 2 and verse 7, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. A pattern. 
Can people use your life as a pattern? If people said, I wonder how you live the Christian life. I wonder, how, I wonder what Christianity is really supposed to look like. Would they, would they say, well, let's watch him. Let's watch her. That would be the right pattern. That, that would be the, the right uh, uh, set of, of, of things to do if I was going to be the right kind of a Christian. Would they choose you as a pattern of Christianity? Are you predictable? My dad was a dairy farmer. Started farming when he was 15. He dropped out of school in eighth grade and, and uh, took up a farm in, at the age of 15. And, and uh, my mom always said she married him because she felt sorry for him. Uh, my mom was eight years younger than my dad. And my dad was uh, 24 when they got married. And my mom was barely 17. And uh, she married him because she said since 15 to 24, he had lived on peanut butter sandwiches. That's all my dad knew how to make. And uh, so he was farming early in his life, and they got married, and of course we came along. And uh, my dad, we, we milked cows every morning at 4 a.m. And, uh, you know, as a boy, getting up and trudging out to the barn at 3.45 was not the most pleasant thing in my life. But my dad flipped those lights on at 4 o'clock every morning, 4 a.m. took three hours to milk the cows. We had three milking machines. We had 50 cows to milk, and it took three hours to milk those cows. So from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock every morning, we were in that barn milking cows. And then again at 4 o'clock in the afternoon until 7 o'clock in the evening, we milk cows. You milk them twice a day. And, and milk cows, dairy cows, are, are very predictable. In other words, you have to milk them exactly 12 hours apart. You can't milk them at, uh, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock at night. It doesn't work that way. Because a cow, if she wants to, can just let her milk run out. She can just, you know, let her milk go. Or she can hold it in. Uh, she can get stubborn and hold her milk in. She'll get mastitis and she'll die, but, but she can do that if she wants to. So you have to milk cows on this predictable pattern. So my dad would milk from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock and then 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And he did that every day of his life. My parents never went on vacation. My dad never missed a milking from 15 until the time that he sold the farm. Every morning, 4 o'clock. Every evening, 4 o'clock. I remember as a kid, you know, I was pretty perceptive, I think, and I would look down the, the driveway to, to Rockville Road, the road that we lived on, and from our farm on a clear morning, you could see uh, three other barns on that road. You, if, if, the, if it was a clear morning, no fog or haze, you could, you could see down that road to three other farms. And I noticed something as a kid, the lights in the neighbor's barns never came on till five. Ours came on at four. So the neighbors didn't milk till five. And so I thought, this isn't right. You know, there's, there's something wrong here with my dad. And uh, I remember we'd go to the mill to grind our feed and stuff, and my dad would always take me along, and I always enjoyed going to the mill because my dad would, would go to the candy bar machine. And in those days, candy bars were a nickel. And my dad would always take two nickels to the mill, and he'd put them in that machine, and he'd, he'd get a candy bar for me and a candy bar for him while we waited for our feed to be, to be uh, uh, mixed and made and... and uh, uh, so I always enjoyed going to the mill. And the farmers would sit around in that mill as they waited, and they'd talk, you know, farm talk. And, and uh, I remember as a boy asking those farmers, I said, what time do you milk in the morning? And I was keeping careful notes, you know, taking a survey here. 
And one day after I'd collected all the data, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, do you realize that we are the only farmers in Jefferson County that I know of that milk at 4 a.m.? Every other farmer milks at 5. I thought my dad would say, you're kidding. Wow, that's amazing. I will give a memo to the cows and we will, we will start milking at 5 o'clock from now on. I, just, I thought that would be his response. But my dad, he never hesitated. He said, well, son, that's because we go to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Whoa. In Watertown, Wisconsin, the town seven miles away where we went to church, all the churches and all the churches had services on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Catholic churches, Lutheran churches, congregational churches, Methodist churches, Moravian churches, they all had church on Sunday night, Wednesday night, and they all started at 8 o'clock because it was a rural community. People were farmers, and they wanted farmers to come to church. So church started at 8. So in order to get to church on Sunday night, we had to start milking at 4 in the morning so we could start at 4 in the afternoon to be done by 7 because we'd have to take a shower. People at church appreciated if we took a shower before we came to church. And then it was about a 15-minute drive to drive into town and get there. And my dad always liked to be 10 minutes early. And so in order to go to church on Sunday night, Wednesday night, we had to start at 4, which meant we had to start at 4 every day because you can't change the cows. You can't, you can't mix it up with the cow schedule. So every day we milked at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the evening. Why? To obey one verse of Scripture. Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I, I think about my dad in that sense of predictability, of being patterned. I don't remember my dad ever missing church. He never missed a milking. He, he was never late to the barn. He was always there, 4 a.m., 4 p.m. Predictability. And my dad wasn't perfect, but he was patterned. If, if you wanted to follow somebody in, in farming or in Christianity, you could look at my dad and say, there's a patterned person. My dad, after, after lunch, he would eat lunch at 12 o'clock, and my dad would eat, usually about 30 minutes, we would eat, and then my dad would sit in a rocking chair and he would take a 15-minute nap. I mean, every day. Didn't matter how much work there was to do, he would take a 15-minute nap. It was just predictable. He would go to sleep, he would start snoring. <laughs> you could hear him over the whole farm, you know. He was a loud snorer. But my dad was predictable. Are you predictable? If God was wondering where you are, would he know where to look? He knew where to look in Samuel's life because Samuel, year after year after year, was predictable in this pattern of ministry that he served in. I want you to look at three perceptions of predictability with me today. First of all, predictability is dull. We like change. We like things to kind of get changed up. We enjoy a little different schedule. Uh, we, we like things to change. Uh, I, I work in a college setting, of course, and they're at West Coast. And, and it's always interesting, at the beginning of a semester, students are excited about new classes, you know, new teachers, 
maybe a new classroom, a new schedule, something a little bit different, maybe some new activities, or, or this has changed. They, they like that. They, they like that uh, uh, something new. They come back to school with, with uh, some different clothes, and, and they like if we change the menu up in the, in the dining hall once in a while. They like change, and that's just the way we are as human beings. We don't like the same old, same old predictable patterns in our life. Predictability is, is dull. We reject the ruts of our life. We, we reject the patterns of our life. We, we like things to change. Contentment is not nearly as much fun as covetousness. <laughs> we like to covet that which is different. We like to covet, oh, I wish it could be this way, or I wish this could change, or I wish I had a different job. I wish I had a different you know, house to live in. I wish I had a different income. I wish I had a different wife, or you know, whatever it is. We, we, we like something to be different. And so we covet the change in our life. It's interesting that lost people, people without Christ, they, they covet that which is pleasuresome at the moment. They, they covet that which they've, they've never had before. They covet the pleasure that they think they're missing out on. But the Bible commands us as spiritual people to be content. And whatsoever things were to be content. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Paul said, a godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. Having then food and raiment, let us therewith be content. For they that will be rich fall into many temptations and snares and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. God commands us to be content. Now, contentment doesn't come natural. It's not something that's attached to salvation. When we get saved, we're not naturally content. It's not part of the package of salvation. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Notice he had to learn it. Now, I look at the life of the Apostle Paul and I think, well, Paul, I, I could be content being in your life. I mean, if I was in your shoes, starting churches and seeing people saved and traveling and going from place to place and seeing God work, I could be content doing that. But, but boy, you got to look at Paul's life. He spent some time in jail. He spent some time shipwrecked. He spent some time in hunger and in thirst and fastings often. He was thrice beaten with rods. Five times he was scourged. In other words, Paul went through some difficulties, but he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am. Therewith to be content. And we, we find that manifested in his life. Here he is in a jail at Philippi. His back is bleeding from the beatings he had taken there. His feet are in stocks. And yet at midnight he's singing and praising God. Why? Because he had learned contentment. He wasn't saying, oh, I wish things were different. I wish I was out of jail. I, I wish I could be back to this or overdoing this. He had learned contentment. Remember, contentment is not based on our circumstances. Contentment is based on our resources in Christ. 
circumstances are going to change. If we learned anything from 2020, and I know we don't like to talk about 2020, but if we learned anything about 2020, we learned to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, didn't we? I mean, it was just not a comfortable year. It was not a year where we could kind of get settled in a routine or settled in a set of circumstances and say, oh, I like this, or I'm glad I'm here, or I'm glad this is happening. No, we, we were wanting it to change. We were wanting something different. But maybe God took us through 2020 to teach us to learn how to be content in whatsoever state we're in because circumstances don't determine our contentment. People that have a lot, lot of money want more money. People that live in a big house want a bigger one. Uh, people that have nice clothes still want nicer clothes. Uh, people want more. They're always coveting. But God says, as my people, I want you to learn contentment because your resources are not your resources are in me. Your resources are in Christ. And in him we have all and we are in all. We're complete in him. We had a cow when I was growing up on the farm. She was a she was a, an older cow. She had, she had been around a while. But that cow was never content with the pasture we'd put her in. We'd open a brand new pasture, beautiful grass and alfalfa to eat. And that cow would walk through that gate into that brand new pasture. She'd walk off over all that, that nice green grass. And she'd go right over to the fence, stick her neck in the fence, and eat the grass on the other side of the fence. I mean, it was just her pattern. She was never content with anything in the pasture. She always wanted what was outside the pasture. If you look down at the pasture cows, that cow always had her neck in the fence, eating on the other side of the fence. She'd come to the barn, her, the back of her neck was always bleeding from leaning into that barbed wire all day. She had very little hair on the back of her neck. She was always leaning through the fence. One morning we went out to milk at four o'clock and opened the barn door and all the cows came in and Milk cows, they, they know what time they're coming in. They know where to go. You don't have to lead them in. You don't have to guide them to the right place. They, they go to the same place. Every, every time you open the door, they go in the same stall. Kind of like Baptists. They come in church, go to the same seat, sit down, same place every time. Just, uh, you know, predictable. And uh, so they, she, they all came in, and, and uh, we started locking up the stanchions and getting the feed ready and stuff. And, and we noticed her stall was empty. This cow that was always leaning in the fence. Her, her stall was empty. And uh, we kind of went to the door and looked out in the barnyard. She wasn't anywhere to be found. And my dad said, well, just, just let's get started. She'll, she'll come up maybe later. And, and uh, when it gets daylight, we'll, we'll take a look. And so we started milking. And uh, about 5, 5.30, that sun began to come up. And we went over to the barn door and we looked down toward the pasture. And there she was. We'd had a thunderstorm that night before, during the night, and lightning had struck one of those metal fence posts. And metal's a pretty good conductor of electricity. And boy, it hit that fence post and traveled down those, those wires of electric fence, and guess whose neck was in the fence? That cow was dead, electrocuted. If only she had been content with the pasture. You know, if we're not careful, we can get to wanting something that God hasn't given us yet. 
We, we can want that better job or that, that better life or, or that possession or that pleasure or, or, or whatever it is. We can want something that God hasn't given to us and we can get into a lot of trouble. And one of the Ten Commandments is still, thou shalt not covet. We need to learn contentment. Contentment, predictability is dull. But notice, secondly, predictability is divine. There's one thing that, again, we learn in our Christian life, and that is that God is predictable. Pastor mentioned it in his prayer a moment ago, that God is faithful. God's mercies are new every morning. We never have to wake up in the morning and wonder, is God in? <laughs> you know, did God get up this morning? Is he okay? Is he feeling good? Uh, is, he, is he able to do his responsibilities? God is faithful. God is predictable. I am the Lord. I change not. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad God doesn't change? Boy, everything changes. And uh, we've lived through a lot of changes in the past 12 months. But God has not changed. He changes not. Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. God changes the seasons. God changes the weather. God changes all these things in our environment. But he himself never changes. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And aren't you glad that God always does things decently and in order? He's predictable. The longer you're saved, the longer you know Christ, the more you understand that God is a predictable God. I love reading the story of creation, and you see in that creation even the sequence of God and how, how important it was that God would be orderly in that creation. The world rotates. The earth rotates every 24 hours. It's predictable. Hasn't gotten off since the beginning of time. It rotates once every 24 hours. Halley's Comet, it's predictable. Comes every 75 years. Right on schedule. Halley's Comet. Most people see one in their lifetime. Because it only comes every 75 years, but it comes every 75 years. Predictability. We think of the seasons. The spring, the summer fall, the winter. They're predictable. God in his character never changes. He never fluctuates. He, he never is diminished in his love or his mercy or his grace or his holiness or his faithfulness. God always works his purposes according to his divine plan. Sometimes life can look pretty chaotic. Sometimes life can seem out of control. Sometimes, as the Bible says, the world becomes unraveled and it looks like everything is, is, is out of sorts and we just want things to come back to normal. And it seems like, when can we, when can, when can we get out of this chaos? When can we get out of this, this uh, uncertainty? And, and we like things to, to, to come back to normal. But you know, God, even in those chaotic moments, is working all things for good. To them that love God. You see, everything is orchestrated. Everything is ordered according to God's plan. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
You know, that word ordered there is interesting. Because you think of that in the sense of God having a plan. In other words, God having a design for our life long before we know what it is, God has an order. It's kind of like when you go into a restaurant, you sit down and, and a waiter or waitress comes to the table and, and uh, says, what would you like to drink? She gives you a menu. She says, what would you like to drink? And uh, you, you tell her water or iced tea or whatever. And she says, I'll give you a moment to look at the menu and come back and take your order. Right? So she goes and she gets your water, iced tea or Pepsi or whatever. And, and then she says, are you ready to order? You say, yeah, I think I am. I think I'll have the, the, uh, the salad or I think I'll have a, a chopped steak or you know, whatever you, you put in your order. And, and sometimes we think of, of God being orderly in that sense that God has put in an order for our life. He's gifted us, he's, he's put us in a certain place, he's, he's uh, provided certain things for us, and, and this is the order for your life. Here's what I want you to do with your life. I want Pastor Dane, Ke- I want Dane Keeley to be a pastor. I want to be the pastor of Bible Baptist Church in Pembroke Pines, Florida. That's God's plan, that's God's order. That, that's what God put in for him, right? And we think of the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So, so God put in an order, and pastor is fulfilling that that order. When you think of order, it also has the idea of sequence, doesn't it? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In fact, Job said, thou numberest all my steps. Wow. Every step has a number. It's all ordered by the Lord. Remember in grade school and you'd go to school and I remember this was one of my favorite times in elementary school. The teacher would, uh, would pass out a piece of paper face down on your desk. Don't turn it over until I tell you to. And she'd get everybody a piece of paper, and then she'd go up to her desk and say, all right, turn it over. And we'd turn that thing over, and it was one of those dot-to-dots. Remember those? I love those things. All those little dots on the page, and all had a little number by them. And I guess it was to teach us how to count, how to, how to get our numbers straight. And uh, she'd say, all right, begin. And man, you had to look for that dot with number one. And you'd find that, and you'd put your pencil on it, and, and then you had to find number two, you know, and you'd find number two, and you'd draw a line from number one to number two. And then you had to find number three, and you'd draw a line to number three, and then to number four, and then to number five. And if you did it in order, if you knew your numbers, and you did it orderly, by the time you got it all done, you had a beautiful picture. Well, I don't know about you, I always wanted to be the first one done. I wanted to be the one that, you know, raised my hand, hey, it's a rooster, it's a rooster. <laughs> I wanted to be the one to discover what it was first. And so, man, she'd say, turn it over. I'd go to work, I'd start going, you know. And I'd look over that smart girl next to me, and she'd be like, I'm number 15, and I'm like, I'm number 7. And I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no, she's going to win, she's going to get it. And, and so I would think, well, I'll skip some numbers. So I'd go from like 7 to 11, and then I'd go to 16, and then I'd go to 28, and and now I'm ahead of her again. Good. But you know what? If you do that, it's not a rooster. (laughs) It's a mess. But don't we do that with our life? We say, God, I don't like number 11. How many of you said last year, Lord, get us out of this mess? I don't like 2020. When can we get to 2021? Now we're here. We may not like 2021 either. We want to go on to that next number. We want to get to that next place. But you know what God says? Your steps are ordered. 
And I learned something in my life that the longer you take to learn the lesson on number 11, the longer you're stuck there. And the sooner you learn what God wants to show you on that number 11, the sooner you can move on to number 12 and number 13 and 14 and so on. You see, there's an order. I was in a laundromat the other day and I frequent laundromats quite often. And uh, as a guy, I kind of know what I need to do in there. I'm not there to converse with all the local talent. I'm not there to watch television. I'm there to get my clothes washed. And I walked in this laundromat, came in the back door, parked in the back parking lot, came in this back door and walked in and right there, I mean, the first thing I saw was a set of double loader front end washing machines. I thought, that's what I want. That's what I need. And so I set my, my bag down there, I had a duffel bag. I set it down there. I opened that door, uh, the first machine I walked up to and I started throwing my clothes in. Nice double loader, you know, all my clothes would fit in there just fine. And I got it all in, closed the door, and got out my quarters. I have a bag of quarters, and I put my quarters in there, and uh, I selected the, the wash cycle I wanted, and uh, opened the soap tray, and started that thing up, and as soon as the soap tray started throwing some water in there, I poured my soap in and closed it up. Everything's working fine. I can see the little bubbles starting to form there. Everything's good. I went and sat down. I brought some work with me to study a little bit while I was there, and, and, uh, and uh, normally those washing machines take about uh, 30 minutes, sometimes 25, sometimes 35, you know, somewhere in that range, depending on the, the style of the washing machine. So I had uh, about an hour's worth of work there to do while I was washing and then drying. And so I'm sitting there and about 35 minutes went by and I could see the washing machine from where I was sitting. <clears throat> I could see it was still going around. I'd check on it from time to time, make sure it was still working and all was doing well. About 35 minutes, it was still going. I thought, well, it's one of those more thorough washing machines, I guess. And I waited a little bit, did a little more studying and looked over 40 minutes, still going. 45 minutes, still going. 50 minutes, still going. 55 minutes, still going. I'm about done with all the work I brought. I thought, what is wrong with that stupid machine, you know? I went over there, and when I went over there, I noticed a sign on that particular machine. It was the only machine in the entire laundromat, I checked later, only one that had this sign on the machine. And it said, this machine is a double cycle machine. It goes through the cycle twice. I thought, I don't wanna go through it twice. I just want one cycle. But I, Murphy's Law, picked the one machine that was gonna take my clothes through that thing two times. That thing went for an hour and 20 minutes. Well, my clothes were clean, but I wasn't happy. I wanted dirty clothes. I didn't want clean clothes. I wanted dirty clothes. It's amazing how sometimes we get frustrated with God because we seem like we're in this double cycle. And says, no, God says, I, I want to purify you a little bit more here. I, I want to cleanse you a little bit more here. You're going to stay here for a little bit longer. But we get anxious. But God's predictability is divine. It's something that he's chosen to do for us for a reason. God takes all of us through some predictable patterns to prepare us for that next step, whether it be marriage or whether it be an opportunity to serve God in a different way or a better way. God is always preparing us for that next step in our life. Predictability is dull. 
But predictability is divine, and I want you to see thirdly, predictability ought to be desirable. It ought to be something that we desire. Routine develops time and place for God to bless us. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, God is going to show up at the revival meeting. God is going to show up at the, at the big conference at the church, and boy, he's going to do a great work during that time. Or God's going to bless our big day. We're going to have this special day, and we're going to invite all these people to come, and we're going to have a big friend day, or we're going to have a big open house Sunday, and boy, God's going to be there, and God's going to do some amazing things. He's going to, he's going to work, or we think God's going to work at teen camp, or you know, whatever it is that we design in our schedule, we say, boy, that's when God is going to do a great work. But you know what? Does God know that you're going to be up at 5.30 tomorrow morning reading your Bible? If he does, he knows every morning you're going to be reading your Bible at 5.30. You know what? God can show up then and work in your life. Sometimes we think, well, you know, here's the events on the calendar where I'm going to really get plugged into God and God's going to work and God's going to do something great. But you know, if we would just be predictable, if we would just say, you know what, every Sunday morning in 2021, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in Sunday school. I'm going to be in Sunday morning service. I'm going to be in the Sunday night service. If God knew that every member a Bible Baptist church was going to be here every Sunday. You know what? God could say, that's when I'm going to show up. That's when I'm going to work in their life. If God knew every day we're going to be spending time with him in prayer and spending time in his word early in the morning or before we go to sleep at night, whenever that time is for us, if God sees that predictable pattern, does he know that we'll always be serving at the predictable times? Can God count on us to be at soul winning every week? Can God count on us to be at the services? Can God count on us to, to be faithful in our tithes and offerings? We, we think, well, God will, somehow God will bring in a, a huge gift. You know what? God blesses churches where people are predictable in their giving. Where week after week after week after week after week they give those tithes and those offerings you know what? That's what supports the missionaries. That's what keeps the work of God going. That's what does the job for God. Predictability. It's interesting in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up for to read. Interesting. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, there comes to Nazareth. And the Bible says, as his custom was. When Jesus came to Nazareth on the Sabbath day, they knew where he'd be. He'd be in the synagogue. That was his custom. It's interesting, it says of Daniel, now Daniel knew that the writing was signed. Remember this in Daniel chapter 6? They made a law that nobody could pray. Nobody could ask a petition of God for 30 days. If they asked a petition of anyone for 30 days, they'd be cast into a den of lions. The Bible says in Daniel 6.10, Daniel, knowing the writing was signed, went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled down on his knees, prayed and gave thanks to his God as he did 
of forecast. Predictability. In fact, that's why they made the law. They couldn't find any occasion or fault in Daniel. They tried. They tried to find something they could frame him with. They tried to find something they could get rid of him with, but they couldn't find anything. They said, I know how we can get him. He prays every every day three times. He prays every day. So if we make a law that you can't pray, we got him. They made the law. Sure enough. They just sat outside the house, waited for that hour to come. His windows were open in his chamber. And he prayed and gave thanks as he did aforetime. Predictability. You know, we waste an enormous amount of time, an enormous amount of emotional resources trying to decide what to do. And God would say, just be predictable. Get in a pattern for your life. As we start this new year, just say, you know what? I'm going to get up at such and such a time every morning, and I'm going to spend time with the Lord for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it is that we decide. Lord, every Sunday, I'm going to be in church where where I'm supposed to be uh, for those services. Wednesday night, I'm going to be there, God willing. I'm I'm going to be there unless I'm sick or, 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 or dead. I'm going to be there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be soul winning. Maybe I can't go at the time the church designates, but I'm going to go sometime during the week. Here's my time. Here's when I'm going to go and, and, and knock on some doors or share some tracks or, or go somewhere where I can share the gospel. Predictability. Years ago in a little country town in Iowa, there was a marathon runner who was preparing for the Olympics. And of course, he was doing a lot of running to prepare before he would go out to Colorado and finalize his training before the Olympics. He had been selected for the Olympic team, and he was from this little town in Iowa. And he would get up every morning at the exact same time, and he would get dressed, and he would go for his morning run. And he would run down the main street of that little Iowa town. He would go out into the countryside. There was a little cemetery out on the end of town that he would run through the loop on that cemetery. He'd come back around a country road, and come back through that town a second time. And he'd make that loop four or five times in that morning run, running a number of miles. And it got to be where people in that little Iowa town knew exactly what time of day it was by where that runner was on his route. In fact, people who lived along that route would set their clocks by that Olympic runner. Because they knew every morning at 8.05, he'd be running past their house. At 8.31, he'd be at that cemetery entrance. Every day, same time, they could set their clocks by him. Can anyone set their spiritual clock by you? Can anyone watch your life, look at your life and say, you know what, I know where they're going to be. I know what they're going to be doing. Mom and dad, do your children know? certain times of the day you're going to be praying or you're going to be reading God's word or every day before a meal there's going to be a time to pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the food are you predictable are you predictable Samuel hey where's Samuel anybody seen Samuel haven't seen him let's check Gilgal well if he wasn't in Gilgal he was uh, probably in Mizpah because he always went to Mizpah after he was in Gilgal. If he wasn't in Mizpah, then he was probably back home in Ramah, because that was the next stop. 
If he wasn't in Ramah, well, then he was in Bethel. Because every year, by circuit, he went from Gilgal to Mizpah and so on in the pattern that God had prescribed for him. How about us? Routine. Physically, humanly, it's not desirable, but it is to God. And I have a sense that God blesses churches and God blesses people where he knows there's where they're going to be. And when they're there, I'm going to use them because they're predictable. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we don't know what 2021 holds. We're not uh, soothsayers. We're not fortune tellers. We're not prophets. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But Lord, you've given us a prescribed way to live in your word. There are certain things in our life that ought to be daily disciplines, weekly disciplines, things that are routine, things that are are just set in stone, set in order. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us people here at Bible Baptist that would be predictable, that folks at work would know, hey, they're going to be on time and they're going to pray for their lunch and and, and they're going to witness to me and and they're going to put in a good day's work and they're not going to cuss. They're not going to laugh at a, a dirty story. They're just predictable. They're a Christian. Lord, I pray our neighbors would know that when our car pulls out of that driveway on Sunday morning, we're going to church. It's predictable. They could set their watch by it. Lord, help our children to know that's where dad's going to be. He's going to be at church. He's going to be at work. He's going to be spending some family time with us because he's predictable. Lord, I pray you'd give us patterned people showing ourselves a pattern of good works. I believe that's godly. That's spiritual, and so help us in this new year to set those patterns that will honor and please you in Jesus' name.